To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch buck? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this week on the podcast, I have on Josh Jenny. Josh is a is a, a new friend to me. It's it's just amazing on this podcast. You get on two like minded individuals, and and me and Josh just hit it off, and we're instant besties. But uh, it, it's just such a, a great media where you can get together and have these in depth conversations. And uh, I'm just so amazed at the friendships I'm able to build. But today's is a great episode. Uh, Josh stands for the same things I do, really believes in, in being a good person, good family man, and then just a diehard bow hunter. Uh, he's constantly thinking about it, preparing for it, readying himself for it, and uh, we just have a great conversation today just about high country mule deer and um, the nuances of the hunt, uh, being able to soak it all in, and, and just tons of, of tips that are that are littered throughout this podcast so just a great conversation i really enjoyed it i know you guys are going to enjoy it too i want to thank our sponsors i want to thank sick gear Sika builds the best technical mountaineering gear on the planet Sika gear keeps me safe keeps me comfortable it keeps me out there longer so i can focus on the hunt and and when you have the right gear it just makes the hunt more enjoyable too. And they've got different gear systems for, for every different weather that you'll come across in Western hunting. Uh, so I love their hot weather gear that I use for early season, high country mule deer hunts, early antelope hunts, hunts on Hawaii, any place where it's going to be hot. I use this this hot weather gear like their Ascent pants and their lightweight hoodie. Lightweight hoodie will has a, a really good hood on it that'll cover up my face and the back of my neck and my ears. Uh, it also has thumb loops that'll, you know, where the sleeves will cover the backs of my hands. That sun gets intense up at 10,000, 11, 12,000 feet. And uh, so you got to keep covered up all the time, but still keep cool in something that will breathe. And uh, Sitka has accomplished that with that hot weather gear. And and then as we move into mid-season, into elk and, and some high country deer hunts that take place in September, just adding a couple layers to your system and, and you can get through with a really lightweight backpacking system in the mid-season and then I use it all the way into the late season, into the late rut hunts, uh, November, December, um, January, these late season super cold hunts. I used it in Montana last year where it was well below zero, just absolutely frigid. And, and it just keeps me safe out there and keeps me comfortable so I can keep immersed into the hunt. Um, I really enjoy having the right gear for the right hunt and, and Sitka definitely makes the best gear on the planet. So thanks to those guys for sponsoring the podcast and also building that great gear. Uh, I also want to thank High Mountain Seasonings. High Mountain Seasonings, um, they play a big part in keeping me alive during hunting season. Uh, I pretty much live off jerky that time of year, and, and High Mountain Seasonings has everything for your wild game needs. So they've got all these different jerky seasonings, this three pepper and original 
all these great well put together seasonings that I use to to batch my jerky in. Uh, they've got everything for snack sticks, uh, summer sausage, salami. Um, Heck, they even have steak marinades that are really good. And so I love when I get my new order of steak marinades, and uh, it's just a piece of cake. I throw my steaks in there, and they're pretty much done and seasoned and can grill them up. Uh, but they just have great products, and um, I really appreciate their support on the podcast. So if you're in the market for anything for wild game needs, make sure to check out High Mountain Seasonings. Um, over here on the podcast, I've got that Matthews Traverse, which is last year's bow that we're going to be giving away. I'm so pumped. I, I mean, um, it's been awesome to be able to give gear to, um, guests, guests that come on the podcast and, um, you know, just to, to return the favor for them taking their time and, and sharing their secrets. Um, so, so it's been really fun to be able to give gear away that way, but I'm really excited to be able to give gear to you guys. Uh, you guys, uh, the ones that support the podcast, download the episodes, follow the social media. And so Matthews has given me this Traverse to give away. So all you have to do is text 22828. You just text FREEBOW. That's it. Text FREEBOW to 22828. It'll ask you for your email, punch in your email, and you're entered. It's a done deal. We'll draw for that thing. Um, we haven't set a date yet, but sometime here in the next month, make sure we can get you that thing so you can get it all dialed in for hunting season. But just absolutely awesome. Thanks again to Matthews for uh, giving the podcast that bow to give away to you guys. Those Matthews are shooting, man. That I got the first harvest with that new Matthews VXR, uh, that, that black bear this spring. But, man, that bow is just absolutely shooting. I've got these uh, Western Hunting Summits coming up this weekend and next weekend. And part of the summits is uh, beat Brian Barney. So uh, I'll shoot a competition against these guys. Uh, be so fun. But uh, they better watch out. That Matthews is absolutely dialed. So what what we do is everybody stands on a line at 20 yards. Everybody shoots. And we're shooting for an 8-inch pie plate circle that's drawn on an elk solo target. And um, if you're in the circle, you get to scoop back 10 yards. If you're out of the circle, you're out of the competition. And so start off with like 30 guys and then scoop back to every 10 yards. More people are falling out. More people are falling out and get back to those those long yardages. Uh, so I, I'm really excited. You know, wind drift plays a, a part in it at those distances, but I've just got that bow so dialed in. But uh, great bow. Really excited to give away this traverse on the podcast. Make sure to check out everything we have going on over there at Eastman's. Uh, we've got the uh, Eastman's Tag Hub right now, which Eastman's Tag Hub is our internet tag research tool. And so it it's basically compiles all our MRS data and more into a searchable platform that you can get on and research You know every different tag for every different species in every different state. And... Um, you know, over the years, Eastman's has really helped me draw some good tags, and and so I'm really enjoying this tag hub to help me research for these new tools. And they're doing this huge giveaway. They're giving away uh, new rifles and and uh, packs, and it's one of the biggest giveaways that that we've ever done at Eastman's. Um, so make sure to check out that tag hub and and uh, see if you're interested in it or something that you can use for your tag research. Uh, also check out our magazines, uh, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. Um, you know, you can, um, gosh, I just love writing these articles. In fact, I got to sit down and write some article ideas and send them off to my editor. Um, he's having a, a content meeting for the next, 
um, few episodes so they can get them planned out. So I need to pitch some articles, but I just love doing it. I've been writing for Eastman's for, gosh, well over 10 years now, I think. I'd have to add up the years or take a look at it, but it's just a great platform. Like I love this podcast and being able to articulate and explain things, but I also love writing as I'm able to put it, you know, text with, with pictures and then really think about my word choice, sentence structure, paragraphs, and, and really think about it and go back through and rehash it out. Just just make sure that it reads as good as it can read to give you guys the best information I can about public land western hunting. Um, it, it's, it's a commitment and a lifestyle, and, and I've lived it nearly my entire life, and I just love to share it with you guys to help you guys be more successful. So make sure to check out our magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. Uh, you guys hear me push uh, Eastman's Hunting TV on the Outdoor Channel, uh, also Beyond the Grid. You know, we've got a bunch of different properties that we work really hard to put out the very best content. So make sure to check out everything we have going on at Eastman's. Uh, the new fly fishing podcast. It's been going good. Man, I'm like 14 episodes in now. Just had some great guests, some great in-depth conversations. I'm amazed at how much I'm learning on the fishing side. So I, I'm just really enjoying that. And um, the fly fishing has just been off the hook. I just got into... Uh, salmon fly hatch like over on the big hole over there it's just absolutely wild fishing caught my my best fish of the year like a true solid 24 inch um big thick heavy hand guy it was just a beautiful bound brown trout and just the fight of my life out of the boat and, and going down through and knowing you got a good one that's out of the water a couple times uh, my buddy eric netted it for me uh, it, it's just an awesome journey. I just absolutely love the summers here in Montana and fly fishing and just sharing that journey through that Eastman's Flycast podcast. So uh, make sure to check it out. Um, you, you can get it anywhere where podcasts are at, and it's just a passion project for me, and I'm really having a lot of fun doing it. So uh, thanks to the guys that have checked it out, and if you haven't, um, go give it a listen. Let me know what you think. I think I covered it all, at least most of it. Let's get into this podcast. It's a good one. So this is Josh Jenny, Eastman's Elevated. I'm your host, Brian Barney. Here we go. All right, Eastman's Elevated here. Um, I've got my new friend, Josh, on. Josh, I'm really excited to get you on the podcast. Um, I feel like we're cut from the same cloth. Absolutely, Brian. I appreciate it, man. And uh, yeah, it's uh a lot lot to be talked about and a lot to share a lot of experience right yeah so um you're a nevada resident uh i sure am yep looks like you're a carpenter so we've got that in common too yes sir that's right yeah what good day? so they're keeping you busy down there right now you're essential work right yes sir i've been uh just kind of working all the way through this uh pandemic and just trying not to get weirded out too much and just trying to stay on task and keep the, uh, the main goal of, uh, getting to the next job, you know? Yeah. Good on you. Well, um, dude, I really wanted to get you on the podcast. Like I say, I think we're so similar. Um, I just, I, I find in your social media as I'm getting to know you and I finally reached out and now we have to keep in contact, but I, I feel like as I, I've reached out and followed along like you're just into bow hunting for the right reasons and you're in life for the right reasons like you've got such a great perspective 
that that you're always trying to improve yourself and make better, do right by your family, and then you really take your bow hunting seriously. Like it drives you as a person, doesn't it? It really does, Brian. I mean, <clears throat> bow hunting has just been one of uh, the single most challenging, just greatest pleasures I've ever experienced in life. And yeah, as far as um, an individual, man, I just want to be happy. I just want to be a good person. I want to be real. I don't want to be phony. I want to just try to portray myself as I am. And uh, I think that's what you've seen probably on, you know, the social media that I post. But um, I really enjoy uh, just being organic and, and just living for the moment, man. That authenticity of being who you really are, it's a tough one in life. Like us as, um, us as humans, like it's easy to pretend or, or put out a facade of who you are or, or it's easy to get caught up and do things for the wrong reason. And I think – you know, some guys are in, you know, not that I'm, everybody has their reasons to be into bow hunting, but I think sometimes the driving force uh, can be the wrong reasons. And so to get into it and to, to really enjoy the process of bow hunting, to, to enjoy and embrace it in it and, and really dedicate yourself to it, have the discipline to continue to hone your skills and, and like you say, it's the most challenging thing on planet Earth. And we, we talked about the journey a little bit before the podcast. But, but, but finding that, being real with yourself of who you really are and your real enjoyment, like, like that's how you're successful at bow hunting. If you really love it, uh, you're going to be good at it because you're going you're gonna to work at it, it seems. And that's right. And I, I fell in love with bow hunting and, and backcountry and I've been in love with the outdoors since I was just a little boy, but I fell in love with bow hunting and backcountry hunting before I ever even um, established a, a social media platform. And I think it translated into my social media platform when I did get one um, that I, you know, that I'd been doing it for something other than, you know, likes or some limelight that you get out of, you know, whatever it is that people um, are, are trying to gain, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's for me really more than anything, you know? Yeah. It feels really good to be successful and it feels good to have respect from your peers, but in that same breath, if you're not enjoying it while you're out there, um, you know, you know, what's the point? It's, it's not for somebody else. It has to be for yourself and your own journey. I'm the same way. I, I did it for years without social media and, and there's a lot of good that, that comes from that. Um, and there's a lot of good that comes from social media too. Like I've really enjoyed being able to share the journey with people or share my thoughts, certain things. And I, I had the outlet of the magazine as well to be able to, right. to write these articles and, and to share my journey and my adventures. But, but really I fell in love with it with my heart and soul and enjoy, you know, all my time I get to spend out there, um, so, so yeah, it's, um, I, I definitely think enjoyment for the right reasons or enjoying the process and the adventure. And, and when you're up there, whether you're successful or not, you enjoy it because it takes a, it takes a lot of years to be proficient at it and successful at it. Like, you know, I talk about bow hunting is the toughest challenge out there when you're starting out. And I know you started a little bit later in life, right, Josh? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. I, yeah, uh, like 22, I 23, up... you were saying? 
Yeah, I picked the bow up when I was 22. Yeah, and I'm 36 now. Well, I'll be 36 this next month. So okay, um, so so like uh, uh, finding it when you first start out. That first five years is a learning curve. Oh my gosh, do you just um, at least for me, it, it was like that that first five years or even ten years for that matter. Like I'm I'm still always trying to get a handle on my bow hunting, but just trying to keep your calm in those moments, those adrenaline filled moments where you do get an opportunity that you've worked so hard for. Uh, man, it just seems like you have to make mistakes over and over and over again to really teach yourself those hard lessons, and at times. It, it almost feels like it's never going to come or like like it's unfair. Like I have the toughest journey and I see other people being successful and I just can't get a handle on it. And and to be honest, in that first five or ten years that I really committed myself, like you think about quitting at times and, and, and you really have to enjoy the process of it. And, and it's, it's weird. Then it just starts to click and you start to have little learning moments where you start to teach yourself things. And then you have um, – you know, you're, you start to hone those instincts, and pretty soon, like you turn. Nobody's born a great bow hunter. Like it's something you have to hone and work at, and fail at, and improve at. And we are all on that same path and same journey. Uh, did you find yourself in that same path? Like at 22, when you started out, um, you were a little bit older, got a bow. Did you find yourself like it was like the most difficult challenge out there? I. Honestly, when I picked up the bow and and put in for an archery tag, I had no idea the the challenge that I was uh, putting on myself, Brian. And it proved to be one of the most mentally grueling and and just most uh, engulfing activities I've ever participated in my life, man. It's um, it is it has almost broke me so many times that i mean i had just been on my on my my ass on the mountain just looking down at a bachelor group of buck running away from me just wondering what the hell i was doing up there you know what I mean? <laughs> time in and, and time out i've i've experienced the failures the highs and the lows of uh of what bow hunting has to offer and I'll tell you what, I struggled with it. And I think we all have struggles every year. Um, but I struggled with it so hard and I wanted it so bad that it absolutely drove me into being the most passionate bow hunter I can be. And it's taught me so many different facets of the sport and how to overcome those those mental um struggles that i just really wouldn't have it any other way than just having to really grind it out and having to struggle to get that success that we all want to taste at some point you know and um had i have put a bow in my pack and and hit the hill and just went out and stuck the first buck that i decided to chase after i'm not sure that i would be sitting here talking to you about my life's you know one of my life's biggest passions you know and uh i may not have stuck with it had i had success right out the gate you know yeah you're absolutely right anything worth life you have to work for and um something that you you know to be successful in bow hunting it requires 
complete dedication and discipline, and you have to make it a major piece of your life to to even have a chance at that success. And and I like what you say, like sitting on the mountain, like bow hunting has taken me to my lowest lows. Like uh, to be up there and to fail puts so much time and effort and and year long work and studying and money and time away from the family, time away from work. Like you give up so much to be up there. And, and it can just crush your heart. One little swirl of the wind, one little stick, oh, yeah. one, you know, whatever the case is. Oh, yeah. And, and it, it hurts even worse when it's one of my mistakes, you know, and it's like I yep. really messed up in it. And um, But I, I think, like you say, without the challenge or without those lows, you can't have the highs. And it's the same thing in life. Like you can't right. have those big highs without having those lows. And so, you know, bow hunting's pretty fair. It It's a... Uh, you know, such a a high degree of difficulty, you know, and, and sure you can get lucky, but I, it's really tough to be consistently lucky. Like you almost have to create that luck. You have to hone your skills and, and then be good at seizing opportunities when you get them. Um, but yeah, bow hunting, boy, it can crush your spirit. That's for sure. But you, you get better at it over time. And I try not to let myself get too up until, you know, when you, I try not to let myself get too high or too low in, until the moment happens and it all comes together and, I, and I'm and i on the ground with that animal. Then I'll let my emotions run wild. But I try to keep myself in check to not try to ride too high or too low. And you get good at, at getting crushed like the mule deer of your dreams. Like you say, you mess up on them a lot of times. Like I, you know, I've become a pretty proficient bow hunter through dedication, just like you, you know, working at it and becoming better and trying to improve at it. And what I found is that there's no limit to how good you can get or how much you can improve your skills. But what I do know is that failure is a prerequisite. And even as good as I, you know, is I'm becoming, or I think I'm becoming, or, you know, I know there's a lot of people that are way better bow hunters than me, but in that same breath, as good as I'm becoming, there's still a lot of failure. I see that buck I want, and there's there's no guarantee I can get that buck. I know I'm in for the, the biggest chess match of my life to try to get into a stone's throw and then keep my calm and place that arrow. So so I kind of keep myself in check, and I, you know, I, I, I'm an optimist, and I think I'm going to make it happen, but... You know, I know too that it can blow up at any moment. Just when you think you have that buck, you'll chase a two point up from above him, or the wind will swirl, or something can happen. And from there, you know, you just have to pick yourself up. And so, this bow hunting, you know, like uh, it has so many parallels with life and picking yourself up and not letting yourself get beat down. And and really, the key to my success, and I bet you the key to your success, is persistence. Um, uh, you know. <laughs> Without persistence, um, you know, in life in general, but without persistence in bow hunting, you know, the, the failures that we talk about, these prerequisites, um, they're gonna they're gonna drive you to quit, and uh, it's real easy to get frustrated by the that imminent failure because um, you know people don't like to fail. And it's uncomfortable and people don't like to be uncomfortable. And, you know, I've, I've found my biggest attribute as a bow hunter and just as a person in life is my persistence. It's my grind. It's my grit and my ability to sustain um, uncomfortable situations and maintain a more or less positive attitude and to know that 
um, it's all part of the process, you know, and, and yeah, I may not always leave the mountain with a heavy pack, but I'm always going to leave the mountain knowing that I gave it everything I have. I've never left a hunt early due to, well, due to my own accord. I had to leave a hunt early last year due to a death in the family, but, um, I've never quit. I've always gone to the last day, whether it's day eight or day 10. Um, I've always pushed it to that last day and given myself every bit of opportunity I could to be successful because my time is valuable. I'm a hardworking man. I don't have weeks and weeks every year to commit to go chasing my, my, my dreams. You know, I have to really carefully and ominously plan these these adventures out and I have to set aside time which is setting aside money and which is setting aside time for my family to go chase these these dreams you know and and for me to let some failure uh you know kick my butt off the mountain is uh is out of the question I'm not going to let that happen you know it may push me to the brink of of damn near being in tears on the side of a mountain, not knowing what the hell I'm doing up there, but I'm never going to let it chase me off of there without giving it my all, you know? Man, I love that, Josh, that, that grit, that, uh, fortuitous, the, 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 uh, uh, just the, the grind, the grit, the personality to stay with it, to be persistent, to keep putting in the effort to, it's tough. Like it's tough to keep grinding. Like you say, everything is, is trying to make you quit or, or trying to, uh, to go towards that hand and not, not quite to make you quit hunting or anything like that, but to make you quit that trip and go out. I mean, whether right. it's lack of game, whether it's hunting pressure, whether there is always going to be a hurdle, there's always going to be a challenge. And, and we're blue collar guys. Like, uh, we, we get the same opportunity that everybody else gets. And so we're in, you know, I, I, I love the community of bow hunters, but, but we're in competition in the mountains and it's who puts forth the most effort or who's the, uh, you know, finds the best vantage points and hunts the hardest back there. But really it comes down to that grit. Like you're talking about that, that mental toughness to just continue to stay, continue to put forth effort. Like, like that's the, that is truly the secret to success is just to keep 100%. at it. And, yep. and I have done, like like you talk about failures chasing you off the mountain, I, some of my biggest accomplishments, I I would say probably a lot of my biggest accomplishments has has came after a failure. And whether that's just a failure oh, yeah. on a stock or you know I work with my bow nonstop, but you know I'm not immune to 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 missing. I, I'm you know things can fall apart. I can get a bad range. I can and heck, one out of four mule deer will jump my string too. You know, you could have the buck of a lifetime and have them dead to rights and, and execute your shot and have them react to that sound of your bow, and all of a sudden you miss that deer. And, and I, you know, a lot of times I don't have video to look back on. I don't. All I have is my memory. So That's right. sometimes I'm not even sure if he jumped the string or if I just missed him, but. That gets in your psyche. It messes with your head. And I think what happens is is guys have this big low, whether it's a failed stock, a missed buck, they can't find any more bucks. And that's enough to say, well, I'm going to call it this trip. I, I know I got another trip coming this year. I'll get back out and, and to give up. But to stay and to grind after a miss, to stay and grind after yep. a miss on day seven on the buck of a lifetime – 
you know, things just come together. Day nine, you, you earn another opportunity and you get on another nice four point. And, and this time you're so driven and thinking about your shot process so much. You just, you want redemption. You're chasing that redemption so bad. And it's redemption for yourself to like, every time you're out, you have to prove that you're a good hunter. Like none of these deer know Josh or none of these deer know Brian Barney. You're like, I can just go out there and I'm just going to stalk within a stone store. Like every time I have to climb the mountain again and make the right moves and execute on a really wary animal, you know? And so, that's right. Yeah. Like I just, um, Man, I, I just uh, I can't emphasize your point enough, Josh, that grind, having the, the right mental toughness and the right attitude. Like if you really want success, that's what it takes. Yeah. And it may take years of that. It may take – you may you got to pay your dues. you got to mess up. you got to make mistakes. You do. But if you keep at it, you will find success. That's true. And, you know, you mentioned years. You know, for me, like I said, I started uh, the bow hunting later in life and uh, – you know, it took me it took me five seasons of of failures and mistakes and um, even a bad hit uh, and a couple misses to uh, to really finally gain my success. And all those things attributed towards just just being a well-rounded as far as perspective bow hunter, you know, and um, and like you said, man, I, I'm able to go back to camp you know i do a lot of solo hunting brian just kind of like you do and a lot of guys do and when you go back to camp at night after having a miss or a blown stock where you made a mistake outside of maybe just the wind swirling you know because the wind swirls we we, you know after a few of those you you don't blame yourself for that it's not uh something you have control over right but you know when you make a mistake and you and you miss or you blow a stock because you got a little greedy and decided to put yourself out there to where, you know, you shouldn't have. And you're able to go back to camp at night and, and sit there in that silence of, of the mountain and, and be able to live with yourself enough to be able to stay another night and give it another shot in the morning. That's, that's the recipe for your success right there. If you can do that, time in and time out and get up the next day and go do it again after some sort of failure, whatever it may have been, you're going to, you're going to find success eventually. It's going to happen. And and if it didn't work out to where you didn't harvest something, you still, you gave it everything you had and, and the odds are only in your favor to where you're going to have success at some point, you know? So, man, you're so right. Success is always the goal, but really, it's it's the adventure that we're after. It's it's the challenge and the journey, and so you got to embrace that journey. And uh, not all hunts are going to be successful, you know, especially today's day and age, and taking chances on tags. And, and then you know, also just the the quarry is so smart. Like uh, to try to hunt a mule deer that's used to evolve from thousands of years of avoiding mountain lions that are way sneakier than I can ever be. Like. Um, you know, sometimes they're going to win. Sometimes they're just going to get the better of you, you know, and you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with yourself and okay with that and just embrace the journey. And, and you're right. It'll, it'll come with time. You just got to keep putting forth the effort. And I'm always, 
like we talk about uh, backcountry bow hunting, the dedication to it and um, uh, the discipline of it, of practicing all the time. But it's amazing how many opportunities you can create. You talked about a well-balanced bow hunter, and there's so many facets that go to being a well-balanced bow hunter. There's stalking. There's finding the game. There's how's your mountain shape? Can you get around the mountains? There, you know, how are you at, at long expedition hunts? And then you're shooting. And there's all these things that go into it. But if there's a weak point in your bow hunting, uh, uh, bow hunting's going to expose it. Like, like you're going to find right. out real quick where your weakness is. Whether it's, you know, if you can't turn up game consistently, you're going to be hiking a lot of miles and not seeing game. Or if you're not in that kind of shape to get to where the deer are, you're going to be seeing a lot of deer and you're going to him and haw at it and look for the perfect situation and never go give yourself a chance to go try to harvest that deer. And so, there's like like this self-evaluation that goes on where you really got to look at yourself and go, where can I improve at my game? Where is my weak point? Why am I not harvesting these deer? You know, and, and then try to look at, at that facet of it and really try to work at that facet in the off season. And whether that's your shooting physical fitness, whether that's your map research and work into units of studying and, 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 and if it's locating game, then it's experience being out there, shed hunting, bear hunting, you know, deer hunting, elk hunting, getting, you know, getting in country and locating animals. It's scouting, you know, and, and stalking's a tough one. I spend a lot of time bow hunting, so I get a lot of time to stalk. But in my younger years, I would even go drive up in the mountains and see a doe and just stalk in with no bow, no hunting season and just see how close I can get and what I can get away with and what I can't. And and once you can kind of hone these skills it's amazing the opportunities that you just start creating. You just start getting chances. And then once you can get chances, it's just about keeping your cool and, and being able to execute a good shot. But it's just a matter of time before it comes together. I really believe that. I do, too. I do, too. And and to t- touch on um, just the the off-season game and, and what we do to prepare for the moments on the mountain, you know, you mentioned the fitness. Fitness is such a huge part of, of, uh, of, of expanding your limits, man. And, and your opportunities, you know, how many times have you heard of a guy saying, ah, that's too far? Well, no, no, it's not too far. It may be too far for you, but if I want that opportunity, I can take it. It's just all up to me and what my capabilities are. And that's why we do what we do and why we try to better ourselves and why it evolves us into these individuals that, you know, want to live healthy so that we can chase our passions. I, I have an idea of, of health that is not solely based on, on bow hunting, but, um, I want to, I want to be able to be in the shape that allows me to, to pursue this passion of mine long and late into life. Like if I don't take care of my body and my health, I, I, I mean, how soon, I mean, you, you know, Brian, like this, it could be over real quick. You know, you, you know, a lot of guys in their forties, they can't do the backcountry mountain hunting because they're just not in the shape to do it. And I don't want forties is not the, the age I want to stop doing this. I want to be doing this into my fifties, maybe even my sixties. And for me to be able to do that, I have to take care of my body. You know, I have to treat myself well. I have to live clean, live healthy and, that's that's just me. That's what I want. That's one of the little pieces to this whole puzzle that we talk about. And uh, and I want it so bad that uh, I can't imagine compromising 
giving this up because of um, not treating my body well or, or living unhealthy. You know what I mean? Man, it's so right. Um, you know, when I first started bow hunting, it was almost weird that I would work out for bow hunting and people look at it funny and, and still, you know, you, 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 you don't have to work out to be successful, but, but you, like you say, that longevity to be able to continue to hunt. Like when you're 25, it doesn't matter if you're working out or not working out. If you're in decent health, you know, you can probably charge the mountains. Now you're going to run out of energy. You're not going to be able to endure what us guys that, that work for these 10 day hunts can endure. But in that same breath now, like, like we're turning a corner, you know, uh, guys like you and me see the importance of, of health and being in good shape and, and being an athlete in the mountains. Cause you have to be the mountains, uh, they are brutal. That elevation, the is going to take a wear and tear on your body. It's just the way it is, you know, but I'm with you that longevity of doing it well into my forties, well into my fifties, into my sixties, maybe even longer. It, the, right. the body adapts to the stress, which you put on it. And, right. and I like running some of these races. I see a bunch of people in their 60s and 70s running ultra marathons. You're running 50 miles, 100 miles. Like it can be exactly. done. The body adapts That's to the right. stress you put on it. And so day in, day out, you have to put that stress on your body. And and it's about keeping healthy. And like this, um, this really bears a lot of weight here. So just, I haven't really talked about it much, Josh, but like um. Like, like my back has been my weak point, you know, just a lot of abuse through construction and, and, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and I kind of abused it and picked way too much up when I was young. And so, you know, that and wrestling, like I've got just a couple injuries. And once you get those weak points in your back, like that's where your back will slip out. And so I hadn't slipped my back for probably five years. I work a lot with my stretching. I mean, it's every single day, sometimes twice a day stretching and then weight training and then construction keeps me in good health. And then my running is a huge part of my life. But like about a month ago or so, um, I'm not sure how I did it, if it was deadlifting my boat with water in the bow or if it was in the river. I I didn't wear my felt that day, and I slipped, and my feet tried to go out from under me, and I really had to catch myself on some rocks. But that night, I could tell I slipped my lower back, and it was like, oh, man, mm -hmm. how bad is it? you know? And and um, it, it wasn't that bad on the scale of things, but it took me a month to get that thing better. I had to take a week off running. Uh, couldn't run, um, which which just kills me. You know, I just right. start going stir crazy. You know, I had to work with it a little bit, and I'm just trying to listen to my body. And I knew it would get better. I've had back injuries before, but all of a sudden it starts putting this into perspective that without a back, you know, all of a sudden I can't bear hunt the spots I like to bear hunt because I can't cross the canyon back and forth with my back the way it is. All of a sudden I've got these limitations. I go from being this, you know, in my mind like this super athlete to now. I can't even do what I like. And so it really puts it in perspective for me that, you know, I'm going to have to work harder than ever before, especially as I get older now. And I, I did have a setback. I had about a month. I had that thing about 97, 98% better and big, long trail run. And gosh, dang it. I slipped that thing again. I had another setback. And now, now I think I've been 10 days. I took three days off running and now I've really been testing it. I've been weight training and Killed yeah. and packed out a bear the other night and then been hunting really hard with my buddy Dan, just putting on a ton of elevation. And, and it feels really good. But now is when I got to focus and even work harder. But we're all just given what we're given genetically, and we have to make the best of it. You know, we're we're, we're not all born, you know, like, like, like my weakness is my back. And that's something that I have to really work on if I want that quality of life and want to continue to push myself to a – 
to those limits to hunt the backcountry, man, I got I really got to work on it. And um, when you have an injury like that, it puts it in perspective. It does. Um, you know, I think especially <laughs> I'm a you know a tradesman just like you. And in your younger years as a as a tradesman, um, you definitely feel as if you've got something to prove to the uh, you know the more seasoned tradesmen and and so yeah you uh put your body through a little bit more than you should you lift those heavy things and i remember uh man i had the same struggle and i my i still got to be careful with my back but yeah i remember there's a about a year's time that uh my back i had such a a bad lower back that i did not know if i was going to be able to continue the work that i do and um through some therapy and some chiropractor work um you know, I've gotten my back back to where I want it to be, and but I have to be super cognizant of of of, of how I treat my back, you know, and and I want to be able to continue doing um, all the things that I love to do, and so I have to treat uh, I have to treat myself well. And I weight train, and um, you know, I still I'm still I'm a working foreman at work, so I'm you know running a crew of men, but I'm still with the bags on, and and I have to make sure that I. Uh, I'm kind of ominous about some of the movements I make when I bend over to pick things up or, um, or some of the weights that I like to, to lift. I, I gotta make sure that I'm not overdoing it and not trying to be too macho. Um, because I'd much rather be able to, to strap my pack on and go on that 10 day backcountry adventure, um, than lift a bunch of weight to try to raise some eyebrows at work and then blow my back out. You know what I mean? And like you said, those, those, those critters that we chase around those mountains, you know, we're, uh, we're playing a big game of chess with those things. And, and we're coming into their, you know, their domain. They're, they're built for that terrain. They're built for that environment. And we're not so much built for that environment, but we, you know, we have the ability to adapt, right, as humans, and that's one of the awesome things about, you know, humans, but um, we're not built for their terrain, you know, those animals, I mean, we're coming in, and we're trying to win a game of chess against, you know, the ultimate just built mountain creatures, and we're trying to get in on, you know, stone throw, and we're trying to beat them at their own game, you know, and like you said, they've been forever they've been chased and and pursued and and they've been you know conditioned for that mountain day in and day out of their life right and we're coming in there you know just for one piece of the year trying to beat them at their game you know so we have to be our best self and you don't have to be in peak condition to to get out there but it sure doesn't uh sure doesn't hurt for some some uh, advantage to to be as good as you can be as a person you know as far as your health and condition so uh, it just readies you too for climbing and it strengthens you mentally they're like there's so many good things that go into it and yeah you're you're spot on with that strength training in that that back like you you want to strength train and have flexibility and build that muscle in your back but you can't overdo it either by too much weight or something then it's susceptible to pulling it out and injury you know so you have to push it and get it stronger and and honestly my back is stronger now in life than it ever has been yeah i just had a setback with one of those injuries you know and just have to really work on my flexibility and my strength to keep enjoying the things i love but 
It's amazing the human body will recover. It will heal itself. It does. Just like your back injury where it took you a year of feeling that thing. And I had one like that too where I would bend over and the thing would lock up on me. And I got through mm-hmm. that through stretching and strength training, trying not to push it too much and listening to it. But now – like I remember butchering elk and deer where bent over, my back would get so sore, just the muscles back there. But I've strengthened it so much now where, gosh, I can be bent over. I can butcher. I can do I can do so much with my back, and I just want to continue this quality of life that I love so much like you that, that that is my point that, you know, if there is any one weak point on me, right, that is what I need to continue to work on to strengthen. And, and trail running does a lot of that for me, just the stabilization and um, – right. but. But, you know, we all have setbacks, and, and it it definitely made me feel human and made me think about things and the importance of my meat vessel and taking care of it. And it's just like, Brian, you know, you just uh, – you got to take it serious if you want to continue to, to hunt as hard as you do. And really, I, I find the enjoyment in really pushing myself and the ch- – like, the harder it is, the more I'm smiling. My, Dan, uh, my buddy Dan said the other day – this is um, – ties to our earlier conversation but he said you know you know what our biggest advantage is and i said what and he said you know our our uh you know our willingness to endure we can just endure Mm -hmm. any weather anything that comes our way heck to shoot this black bear i think i've seen uh uh two different like a sow with three cubs grizzlies and a sow with two cubs grizzlies in this area we're hunting so that's something else that we have to endure that would chase a lot of guys out there when you look over three four hundred yards and you see this big sow grizzly over there with three cubs you know but we just keep smart and keep enduring and that goes for weather for long hunts for failures for whatever it is it's just being able to endure that weather the storm and make it through it and really it ties a lot to your to your physical health and and um, your body like we're talking about, but it really ties to that mental strength to just keep pushing yourself, to keep out there, to just to keep yourself in the game. I, I think it ties as much mentally to physically, but they do go hand in hand. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, not, not only just that mental – uh, strength and that that capability of like I said earlier just the ability to endure uncomfortable and strenuous situations man I mean it I need I need that endorphin I need that happy I like the happy that it gives me to be <laughs> in physical condition you know it just it just bottom line it does that for you you know and so anything I can do to enhance my happy enhance my my sense of well-being in life, I'm going to try to do it, man. And it's taken some years of, of maturing and, and seeing different, different lights in life to get to where I'm at. But man, I just, I love being happy. I love being humble. And, and uh, I may come off a little salty and grimy at times because of just life. Right. But I, I am really into being happy and being um, that best self, you know, Oh, enjoyment of life. Aren't we so lucky that we found what we love in life? I just don't feel lost because I found, you know, I my family is number one and, and uh, my work and I built this great life for myself, you know, but but really that uh, that backcountry bow hunting is so fulfilling to me. It just it just checks that box. It's just that passion. It gives me something to think about day in, day out, something to really dedicate myself to. And I I love that you know that it that it isn't tied to money or it isn't tied to to getting the next big house or that it, it's pure enjoyment that that I actually right. you know 
I, I mean, now I'm so fortunate I got the podcast and writing and things. But I mean, um, I, you know, if you add up the money over the years, I'm sure I'm not making money at this deal. You know, I spend a lot to be able to do what I enjoy and take the time off work. But I, I, I really, you know, I, I, I really love the time that I get and try to enjoy it. And like you say, I, I just, I like being happy. And for me to be happy, I need to have passion and something I'm engaged in and something I'm doing. Um, so man, I, I mean, we're just lucky that we've, that we found this, that, that, um, definitely checks that box. But, uh, so, so you're in Nevada. Um, God, I love hunting yes, Nevada. I hope those guys are going to give me a tag this year. The draws haven't come out yet. Um, right. but I would imagine, well, I know that you're a muley guy like me. Is there anything finer than that high country mule deer stock? Oh man, Brian, I, I love mule deer so much. <laughs> you know what I mean? it's, it's, it is a love. It's not a, it's nothing short of that. And, um, you know, Nevada is definitely what struck my, my passion. Um, you know, we kind of touched on it earlier. I, I, my first tag with, uh, with a bow in hand, I had not a lot of idea of what the hell I was doing out there. Right. I didn't, you know, I had had a little bit of a recommendation from an, an older fella that my dad was buddies with. And, and, uh, he kind of pointed me in the direction of a, of a good spot. And so we went out there and his method of, of hunting mule deer with bows, um, was blind hunting. So I went up there and I set up a blind in a spot that I thought was good. You know, it was kind of a little choke spot, um, going down to some water. And I just based it off of tracks that I was seeing on the ground. Right. I really didn't even realize where I was putting this blind that it was a choke, you know, but, um, I had some action come by behind me. I heard some activity, but I didn't get anybody coming by the blind, nor did I really build a blind that I was even shootable out of really. I, it was like a field blind that I constructed out there, you know, out of brush and blah, blah, blah. But it was, uh, this is all early on learning curve stuff. And, but so anyway, a few days into the hunt, you know, I kind of got bored of sitting in the blind and I kind of just figured I'd do a little still hunting. And, um, I come down this, uh, this little draw and there's kind of a little, knoll a little quaky knoll out in the middle of this little kind of sage um flat and i don't know i was probably about 80 90 yards off this little hump out in the middle of the sage flat and up stands this just this beautifully perfectly symmetrical framed velvet four point and he stood up and he looked at me and the sun's coming down from behind him shining through i just see the silhouette of this majestic mule deer buck and i was just frozen in time and uh and he, it didn't take long and then he and then he you know snorted and snot flew everywhere and and he was gone right just like that and uh and now that, that moment right there is exactly when i fell in love with the with the pursuit and just with the animal itself and everything they are it's not all about the hunt for me with them it's it's more I, I could sit there and watch those animals for for hours and just how they interact with each other and how they behave on the mountain just how how just in tune they are with their surroundings and just just everything about them is 
is awesome and there's so much fun to hunt i uh i can't get enough of that animal yeah nevada is not a bad place to be when you're trying to get after them so man i mean there's um every western state offers some really good mule deer hunting but yeah i i do love nevada and the isolated mountain ranges and just that high that uh that that backcountry and that's that's part of my other love like i love mule deer the species and like you i can just sit and watch them and watch their habits and they're so keen in their senses and um there's they're so tough to harvest and so like you you, you start appreciating mature bucks you know and, and um but it but it's also i think what i really love is the places they take me they they take you where sheep and goats live. They take you to the absolute top of the mountain. And and like you said earlier, where us humans are not meant to thrive. That you know, there's no houses up there for a reason. It's tough for a human to live up there. And and it's it's mountaineering. Like the climbs you got to make it and is. the miles you got to make to get up there. But it but it's not just grabbing a peak and coming back down to the truck for a cold drink or whatever like it's it's going up there and being able to survive, carry everything you need on your back. It's like the the purest form of hunting too it's like where there's no roads there's no vehicles there's no shortcuts it's all just effort and foot power you know and and getting back in there and being able to mountaineer you know with your pack everything you need um you know and and you know you're gonna face like nevada you know you're gonna face some lightning storms up there and you're gonna have to play those safe uh you know there's dangers in the backcountry but just to put yourself up against that and then when you get back there it's so special I mean, there's 330 million people in the United States alone. It's so special to be able to get multiple square miles to yourself with your bow and these animals to just play that chess game back and forth. That's so special. And you talked about your love for your for the mule deer coming down that draw, jumping up that buck and having him look at you or whatever. But man, those are those are special experiences that cannot be purchased or bought. They're they're only earned through hard work and effort. I mean, sure, there's some shortcuts and some some private land, or you know, not that I'm against private land or anything like that. But out there on public in in these, um, especially these high country mule deer, those experiences have to be earned, and you have to hone your skills right. just to be able to put yourself into those situations. But boy, when you get into those situations and you have a buck like that four pointer. To me, there's nothing more exciting than locating a good buck and looking at him through the scope and trying to plot, like like just being yep. in the chess match, like being engaged right. in that moment. And in that moment, I can't think of anything else. My mind is a is is one channel. I don't have my cell phone on. I don't have contact. Everything's been taken care of. Like it is me versus that buck, and that engagement is what I absolutely love. But those. The, those experiences come with a price like to, to get that experience to get that close encounter to get that stock it's going to take tons of effort and dedication and time off work time away from family scouting you know it's like it takes all this but that's what i love too is those the the price of admission i always think when i get a stock on a buck and i'm inside 100 yards and i'm playing the game and maybe i I stalked him for four or five hours that day, and I laid in the sun, and ants crawling over my hand, and like you're just trying to earn it, and it doesn't always come together. But man, that is special to be up there and to be able to see that and have that encounter with that animal. I just always think it's not outsmarting nature; it's just like putting yourself in nature. So like you're, that's right. Yeah, you're in the you're in the flow of the the woods and the mountains in this high country. You're in the flow with it, and you get this opportunity or in this encounter. And that's what's special, man. That's that's what I truly love about 
uh, about hunting, but but what I truly love about mule deer up in that the those those that high country up in those peaks, man, it just doesn't get any better. Yeah, it's uh, like you said, you put yourself into the circle of life in in that environment, right? You're not um, you're not anything other than that at that moment, and uh, it's so rewarding to get up there and to see those places like you were saying brian it's you know as a little boy one of my favorite things to do was uh to to throw on my little camouflages i I was a big gi joe kid you know i loved the army and i wanted to be an army guy and so i'd throw my camouflage on and i'd go marching off into the woods and i'd just be there for hours just myself and i'd just be building forts and i'd love that right and and so bow hunting and just hunting and and the mountaineering has it's it's almost in a way it's taken me back to like the last piece of my childhood that that is that feels so familiar and that's something that I that never died from when I was just a little tiny boy you know and and um like you said those those sights those smells those sounds those are only sights smells and sounds that you're going to get if you are there and there's such a small percentage of the population that are going to find themselves in that spot unless they're willing to get out and just venture out into no man's land, you know? And, and, uh, it's such, like you said, it's such a small piece of the population that's doing it, that it just feels so special. And it, um, it feels like something that's your own, you know? And I never thought about it the um, tie back to my childhood, but you're exactly right. Like that's how I grew up too, and and it does make you feel it like that kid's spirit. Like it. Um, yep. And, and I just love how the mountains, like it's not nerfed like life. There's not a bunch of rules or you know, of course there's tags and there's laws and things that you need to follow, but it's not nerfed back there. Like nothing is guaranteed, and you are right. You are entering that ecosystem for good or for worse, for for uh, better or for worse. You know, like uh, like the dangers there. That ecosystem doesn't care if you get struck by lightning, or that ecosystem doesn't care if a a cougar attacks you, or a grizzly bear gets you, or a rattlesnake, or it doesn't care if you trip and fall and hurt your ankle. Like it's not nerfed. It's not safe back there. But that danger right. is what makes us feel alive. Like there's real risk back. there there and so that real risk like translates uh into self-reliance and self-confidence like all of a sudden you you have this confidence in yourself and your skills to be able to keep you safe back there to be able to keep you safe in the mountains or keep your buddies safe with you um and, and i also think that's why we build such strong relationships with our hunting buddies is you share you know this this toughness or these tough situations with them up there in the mountains. If you do hunt with somebody or, you know, it, it's even tougher hunting by yourself, like, uh, to hone your skills solo. Um, you gotta be half a madman when you first start off, you know, but you just, you keep building that confidence and building those skills and it's obtainable for anybody for sure. Um, but it's tough solo battling with your mind up there, uh, being by yourself and, and then having nobody to bounce ideas off of, or, um, you know, so so it's difficult, but um, it is yeah. so rewarding, I, though. You know, yeah, I, and I I enjoy um, having a, a hunting partner. I've got a couple buddies that I hunt with, but um, I do primarily hunt solo, and it's not because I don't want to, but it's just kind of the way schedules work out. And um, like you said, uh, it's it's a different level of um, 
just having to push yourself, you know, and, and at some, in some aspects, the solo thing, uh, for me is if I find it easier to, to push through situations because I'm not worried about, um, how this other individual is, is, um, you know, if he's uncomfortable or worrying about his, you know, if he's bored or whatever it is, right. I'm just worried about myself and I'm my only limitation, you know? And I think that's what, uh, I enjoy the most about the solo thing is I'm my only obstacle and, um, and I can control myself. And I, you know, when you're hunting with somebody else, you can't control them. And, but you may be worried about, you know, how they're looking at things and, or what they want to do or, you know, whatever. Right. But when it's just me, um, I know what I'm capable of. I know what I can do. I know I can, I can endure the boredom or of the middle day, just heat, just nothing's up. Nobody's moving, whatever. I can endure it and I'm okay with it. And, um, but yeah, I've sat up there like you, Brian, I think I've heard you tell a couple stories in the past that I've laughed about when I was listening because, you know, those, those middle of the night lightning storms that come over you and I've experienced just some terrifying, (laughs) (laughs) terrifying nights on the mountain, just being caught up in just a freak thunder, lightning, hail storm and, and, um, waking up the next morning or if you didn't sleep at all, maybe, you know, just kind of just being so thankful the sun's coming up, you know, (laughs) just, just, uh, but those experiences are definitely just, there's such, there's the greatest adventures, um, imaginable. And yeah, we push the limits of safety a lot of the times, but it builds such a confidence in, in your ability, um, to be, uh, to be able to sustain on the mountain. Right. And, um, it's just so much fun. I just, I can't even, I mean, I could talk about it forever and ever and just all the different, uh, aspects of, of what it gives to, to get up there and experience all of those little things. I, I love soaking in the other, uh, wildlife when I'm up there. I love watching the mountain goats. They're another animal that I just can't get enough of, you know, because the mule deer, they take me up into the sheep and the mountain goat country, right? And uh, you don't get to see mountain goats if you're sitting down not on a mountain, right? <laughs> and uh, I just, I take such pleasure in, in all of those um, pieces to the puzzle, you know? Good on you. You're soaking it up and getting the most of your experiences, and I think that's a big part of it. We chase this success, but it isn't all about the success. You have to enjoy being up there and, and the journey of the of the whole deal. And I think us as human beings, we have adventure running in our spirit. Like I, I think that's what's missing from a lot of people. Uh, you know, uh, especially. Um, you know, you, you see a lot of PTSD like in servicemen and things that have so much adventure and build such a bond with guys and then come back to civilian life. And it's it's tough. They don't have that anymore. And I, I think that's what we found through backcountry bow hunting is it gives us absolute adventure in our life. And I, I think it's necessary and we need it. It's it's what makes us feel alive. So, man, we're just so fortunate that we found this Um I'm really fortunate that I connected with you. Man, I've really enjoyed the conversation, Josh. Like, you have such great perspective on hunting and life, and I can tell you enjoy it with every fiber of your being. That's right, and I appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, to just want to have that conversation that's so easy to have when you're uh, 
able to relate to somebody, right? I mean, it's so easy for us to to talk to like-minded individuals. You know, uh, someone that's that's got the same fire as you do when you start talking to them. It's just so easy to have a conversation, and and uh, you just—it's uh, almost like you, you've known them forever, right? So. Man, that's absolutely uh, kindred spirits. Yeah, you can just feel That's it, right. can't you? <laughs> I get That's that. Right. Like, I can just tell that connection. Well, dude, um, good luck on the draws this year. I hope you pull some good tags. And then um, I've got your All number. Right. Let's keep in touch through text. And then uh, let's get you back on the podcast when you arrow that big buck this year. Absolutely, yeah. Just uh, to touch on that, I, I got the, uh, the, the, the notice I drew a archery general for utah this year so i got that and hoping to see what colorado and nevada does so i'm hoping to do a a back-to-backer in uh, utah and nevada this year for sure so oh wow congratulations on the general season well and the nice thing about that too is you can hunt it early and you can hunt it late you know so you know in in the general units or whatever Good on you, man. It's so nice to have that early season mule deer tag in your pocket. And they've got, like, uh, you've been doing it for quite a few years. I'm sure you've seen, too, uh, the popularity of it. And it's getting tougher and tougher to get good tags. So, yeah, we um, sure is, yeah. Got to be creative, keep coming up with things, and man, I'm I'm the same way. I just came out. I didn't um I did not draw Utah. I put in for a general season unit. I knew I was about fifty percent drawed, so I missed that one. But yeah, I'm like you, uh, Wyoming, Colorado, mm-hmm. Nevada, Idaho. I am watching the draw results like a like a hawk. Like I gotta have a early season mule deer hunt, and I always have a uh, backup yeah. with like a general season Montana. Uh, general season mm-hmm. Idaho. So I know I'll make something happen, but I sure would like to see my name come up in one of these drawings. That's for sure. Oh man. Yeah. It's uh next, next Friday, I think should be uh, Nevada posting, posting their results. So that's something to look forward to. It'll be Christmas Eve on next Thursday. So, Oh, okay. We'll see I, what did, happens. I didn't know that. Okay. I won't be able to sleep yeah. all week. <laughs> no, no, they always try to do, and it's been a tradition more than a standard, but um, post the the draw results on the Friday before Memorial Day weekend. So they've and they've held true to that every year. So um, they they plan on doing it this year too. So it's exciting. Man, okay, well, um, yeah, I've got my five units in for Nevada and got fairly aggressive. It's tough. I don't want to get too aggressive with my app. There's some units that I've thought about that maybe I've even applied for before, but there's got to be the deer numbers there, too. Like, there's some of those units that you can draw that I don't know if they quite have the numbers I need to be able to bow hunt them back in there. But there is a, a lot of good units across the West throughout all these states um, but we each have to kind of draw our line in the sand, uh, what, what we'll accept and what we won't as far as driving across the country and putting so much effort into a hunt. But I'm fairly right. aggressive in Nevada this year. I sure am hoping for a tag. Well, if you get one, you let me know, but if you need a little help, so I'll definitely let you know and let's, um, let's keep in touch. I really enjoyed the conversation, man. Absolutely, Brian. Thanks a lot, man. Okay. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Again, super fun conversation with Josh. Uh, just two like-minded individuals that love to bow hunt. Uh, so yeah, I I really enjoyed that and um, enjoyed meeting them. Um, and and I build friendships with these guys. And so you know, want to have him back on the podcast after season and and see how he did and have another in-depth conversation. But um, yeah, just really fun. Thanks again to Josh for coming on the podcast and uh, for everything he does. 
man, oh man, we're coming up on it. Hunting season is coming. It's going to be here before we know it. Gosh, it's already mid-June, if you can believe that. So, working harder than ever. Man, I'm back to 100%. I've got my back totally healed. I've got my mind right. And, uh, man, I've just got my head down training and a smile on my face. The other day, um, oh, I was timing myself to get to the top of the mountain that I've been running this mountain for, I don't know, 15 years. I've been running this mountain. It's a 1,000 feet of elevation. And so I kind of know what my times are to the turnaround point up there. And I've been a little slow this year. You know, sometimes it's hot weather or sometimes it's a muddy trail and a personal best just isn't in the cards. But um, the other day I pushed it hard, um, just redlining the whole run, um, the whole run uphill. Well, then downhill too, but just trying to get a good time going up to the top of the hill. And what I, you know, 40 years old this year, like that's a that's a benchmark, you know, it's like I just want to keep young and keep fit but I know what my times were when I was 25 running that hill or when I was 30 running that hill or you know like the year I killed my biggest buck or the, the the best shape I was in I know what my times were for that thing and so it challenges me to um to really push it but I I redlined all the way up there I was I was like maybe 30 seconds off my top time that I've ever gotten up there. So I felt pretty good. I had to lay in the dirt and breathe for a while. <laughs> I dang near, I pushed it pretty hard and then able to get up and I ran a couple more miles up and then the the um, handful of miles down, but just a really good run pushing it and just day in, day out, I'm just getting in that work. Um, next level work, next level work with that bow. Uh, just, just more arrows, good execution, uh, just doing all the little things, shooting at 3D targets, shooting from my knees a lot, shooting with buddies, uh, putting pressure on myself, making sure that I've got that next level tune in that bow. Yeah, in fact, I, you know, I shot it at like, um, like 130 the other day and I put in a pretty good group, but it was a few inches low. It's like, oh, that, that sight tape, and boy, I could change it by another half a foot per second. Probably put those arrows right in there. You know, just those little details. And not that I'm ever going to be shooting that far. I just like my bow absolutely dialed. And so just spending time with it, getting it dialed in, physical fitness, my mind's right. Man, I cannot wait for hunting season. Um, got some good tags, some great adventures. Um, have my time planned out. It's just awesome. I, I know you guys are putting together your season, so that's the reason I tell you, you know, is that uh, I am just as excited. I, I think I get more excited every year for hunting season. I don't know how that's possible, but I do. Um, I'm so jacked up and ready to go this year. So a couple months left, man. Make sure you guys are hitting it hard, putting in your work. The time to improve is right now. I uh, also want to thank our sponsors again. I want to thank Sitka Gear, that technical mountaineering gear. Uh, just keeps me out there longer, keeps me comfortable, and keeps me immersed in the hunt where I can just think about that big buck or how I'm going to kill him, and I know I can deal with any weather conditions that are thrown my way. Um, so just awesome gear. Thanks to those guys. Thanks to High Mountain Seasonings, helping keeping me alive during hunting season with that good jerky seasoning. Uh, they've also got steak marinades, everything for your wild game needs. So uh, make sure to check those guys out as well. Um, make sure to shoot that text over for that free traverse, that Matthews traverse bow. Just text free bow to 22828 and um, enter your email and then you're in the drawing. Really pumped to give it away to somebody that um, 
needs a new bow. And, and it's nice to give back to you guys that are supporting this podcast, listening to it. Uh, I'm just so humbled by, um, by, you know, by the support of this podcast, by you guys. Um, gosh, there's a, a lot of great hunters that are listening to the podcast, beginner bow hunters listening to the podcast. I'm just so humbled by the support. And, uh, I just tell you guys that I really enjoy doing it. Uh, it, it has made me a better bow hunter. Uh, it, I, you know, I I learn and pick up things on every episode just like you guys do. So I just love these in-depth conversations, and I love getting better at this platform, at, at bringing the best out of guys, and the best conversations are the most interesting conversations. So, um, man, what are we, like 230 episodes in or something of this podcast? It's just crazy, and... Um, Hopefully another 230 more. I can't wait to see what the future holds. So thanks to you guys for all the support, man. It just means the world to me. And um, let's see. Free bow, text that. Just trying to make sure that I've got everything in that I need to. I mean, I... Oh, make sure to check out that fly fishing podcast. Man, I've been having fun doing that. I'm about 20 episodes in or so. It just had some great guests. Oh my gosh, I've had some good fishermen on there. And... um, like I say, the fishing is just off the hook here in the summertime, and it's uh, it's something I really enjoy doing. It's just like these mini adventures that you can be out. I can have an afternoon. Heck, I can have two hours, and I can be out on an adventure wading the river and, and uh, finding these good holes and hunting for these big brown trouts. I just love good brown trout fisheries. I mean, I love a good rainbow too, don't get me wrong, um, but there is just something about hunting for those brown trout that I love. I just love... Um, they're the the brown trout's tendencies and you know they've got a little pea brain but their instincts are so keen and they're they're tough to fool and uh so i just love trying on those things but make sure to check out that new podcast um we've got a great episode this week so i've got my buddy he's been on the eastman's elevated podcast i've got colton conrad on the fishing podcast and uh it's a wild one he talks about um oh a, a big fishing trip he did with his dad last summer and then talks about uh, drifting sketchy water in Colorado down through there. Uh, sketchy whitewater tells a story at the end that's that's uh, snapped his oar, and oh my gosh, it's it's a wild story. But that guy just loves to fish, and uh, I really connect well with him. So it made for a great podcast. So make sure to check that out. It's over on Eastman's Flycast. Uh, you can get it anywhere where you get this podcast. And uh, just gonna continue to work hard and uh, hopefully make that that podcast go so um thanks you guys i appreciate all the support um yeah that's a wrap god i'll keep getting in these runs keep shooting my bow and uh, you guys need to be doing the same season's coming so check in with you guys next week